Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in uh, to the TFS pod. We're at 110 uh, this week. It's February 6, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2023. Uh, we're here. Uh, first pod of February. That means we only get like three this month and then it's March. That's wild. Love to hear that. Um, Super Bowl week, uh, college basketball going hard. Uh, NBA, we don't care about that, but that's going hard. Uh, just got off the uh, all-star break in hockey, uh, golf. We got two more left on the West Coast swing, then we're heading down to Florida. Um, it's a great time to be alive. Uh, we'll go to the podium as always. I'll start um, officiating. We're both going to talk about officiating here, different rules. I'm going to talk about the the clear path foul, for those who don't know what that is, in, in the NBA, you, someone gets you know a steal, um, you know, a run out, and that's when someone fouls someone when there's a clear sight to the basket, you know, it, it stops a fast break. That's one point in the ball. In college, this is not a thing. Now, I've noticed in the last two weeks especially, um, I've seen this so many times, fast breaks stop because of this. I, it needs to be the same as is in the NBA, clear path foul, because that's BS that you can just stop a fast break by just going for a fake steal. It's an intentional foul is what it is. Um, but, you know, it's not called that way in college because who knows. Um, but I really think that needs to be added because I, I've seen it so many times in the last few weeks, um, just stopping a fast break, stopping rhythm, the rhythm of a game. Um, and it gets some people cheat fouls. It's stupid. I don't get it. It needs to be the clear path foul needs to be added to college basketball, plain and simple. Um, otherwise, this is going to keep happening. Flow of game stops. Um, and we know that college basketball, the product, isn't as good as it has been. Um, the games are super choppy with commercials, timeouts, bad officiating, you name it. Um, and this is another thing that can help speed it up and make it more interesting and Stop the stupid play, really. And I'm going to stick on the common theme here. And it's been a common theme of the podcast for weeks, dating back to NFL, college football, officiating. It's, it's There's no other way to say it, but it's god-awful. It, it really is. And, I, and I'm getting tired of seeing the same two or three guys, like every time I turn on a Big Ten game. Um, you know, guys are officiating six, seven games a week. They're tired, they're chasing money, they're doing a crappy job. And I'm going to bring up two really good examples. We've talked block charge on the podcast before. I believe we talked about it with um, Coach George, you know, from his uh, uh, from his perspective as both an official uh, at one time and now a uh, longtime co- high school basketball coach and now um, college basketball assistant. Block charge, it, it as a rule has got to go. It, it is such a subjective call that, in my opinion, uh, without having done a study, is wrong 
a much greater percentage of the time than it should be. I'm not saying it's wrong half the time, but it's probably pretty close. And particularly what gets me is in today's world, this year, 2022-23, the flop rule was supposed to be the thing that got rid of people trying to take unnecessary charges and the, the, the whole block charge thing. They made it, as they do, as the NCAA does, every year they made a huge deal of it. This was the same thing with hook and hold three or four yeah, years ago. Like, they make a big deal to say, look, we're calling it. And then come league play in January, they don't call it anymore. And I'm going to give you two case in points. This is the sole reason that Ohio State's coach was thrown out the other night before halftime. Double teed, and I'm telling you, he wanted violence with how angry he was. And Ryan, what's that ref's name? Courtney it was Kelly Pfeiffer and Courtney Green. Courtney Green, awful. Guess, this is a guy that teed boring. up Indiana for tossing the ball to the ref and called delay of game and teed a guy up. Like he's dog shit. And this guy yet gets to call Big Ten meaningful games, and he ran. Um, Ohio State's coach, why is his name escaping me Holtman. right now? Holtman, I'm sorry. It's been a long day at work. Um, Chris Holtman ran him before halftime, before halftime, on what, when you watch the replay, was clearly a wrong call. It was a, clearly a flop. And I'm, whatever, whether Greg Gard teaches this, Wisconsin teaches this or not, Wisconsin is really good at the quote unquote charge, which more than half the time is a flop. They did it. It impacted that game. Wisconsin went on the on the road and won at Ohio State. It didn't quite work for them last night against Northwestern, who kudos to Northwestern for getting the win at Wisconsin. They their road march especially continues. You know, they beat at Indiana, at Michigan State, at Wisconsin. First time they've swept Wisconsin in the season since nineteen ninety six. But Wisconsin flopped again last night in a time that like about it was about Ryan, about a minute and a half to go. And Collins Almost. I mean, if not for quick assistance and players off the bench, he would have gotten teed up at a time when it couldn't happen. Like a minute and a half to go in a game that was a point, one point, even up game at that point in time. Again, horrible call for the officials. If you're going to jerk around and waste our time looking at the replay, then look at that. Because if I can see it from the naked eye in the live time from a TV and not right there on the court, you should be able to get it right. The block charge is a ridiculous call. It is outgrown basketball. There should be a player control foul on the offensive player only if the guy's been like standing there clearly. None of this defensive taking a charge when you're moving, no. You need to be stationary. You need to make it clear as day what the rule is and stop messing around because you are impacting games, wink, wink, probably for a reason, wink, wink, not saying, just saying, sports gambling is very legal these days. And if you don't, again, think refs can play in it, look what happened in the NBA. It happens, people. It happens. And it's time to get these other bang-bang subjective calls out of the game of basketball. It's kind of along the lines of clear path that muddies up the game. This absolutely destroys the game of basketball for teams. And I'm I'm tired of it. It's, it's gross. It's hard to watch. Like... College basketball this year, for as fun as it is, because it's so, um, it's just so even, and like you really look at it, and there's tons of teams that could theoretically win it. It is not a good product, and a lot of that, honestly, okay, I'll blame some on the coaches, some of the players, fundamentals have slipped. 
It's the officiating. It's uneven and it's bad. Yeah, um, it's terrible. I, I literally, as I just finished talking about the clear path, I looked up on the TV and saw Miami do it to Duke. Um, it's not good. Uh, tee up of the week. Um, this week we're gonna hit Eastern Illinois uh, basketball player. Um, why you may ask? This dude slaps a fan during a game that's just standing there on the side, sitting there on the side, slaps him in the face. They said he's gonna be um, disciplined internally. Well, he should be suspended for the rest of the season. You should not be interacting interacting with any fans. Um, stupid. What are you doing, man? Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like I saw a video about this the other day about you know my hate for LeBron about how he complains and gets people thrown out who taunt him. I'm sorry, even if you think it's wrong to kind of ride a college player, I did it. I rode Quanzo Martin, Matt Painter, and the Big Dog when Michigan State fought neck and neck with Purdue for three years in a row, my junior, sophomore, junior, and senior years at Michigan State, and finished the game behind him. Guess what? Quanzo Martin just looked at me and laughed and lit us up. Like, you either don't hear it, or if you hear it, you do the Michael Jordan way, which is, come on, bring it, and then you show the guy up. You don't do it the LeBron way. You don't force somebody out of a game. You don't do it like this kid and slap somebody. Like, get your stuff together. You sh- you shouldn't even be able allowed to play. You're clearly not an adult. There's no place for that in college basketball. I mean, even at Eastern Illinois, where there looked like there were about 19 fans at the game. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Extra tee up of the week. Um, we're doing. We're going overtime. Oh, going this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jaden Rashada from. Uh, he's he's at Arizona State now. Um, if you didn't hear about it, we didn't talk about this. Arizona State. Ago. I thought he was going to Miami. No, he's going to Arizona State. Oh my gosh. He was originally committed to Miami. Gave him some huge NIL deal. This guy's a four. Oh, I thought it was Florida then Miami. Okay. Um, Miami then and Florida. Decommitted from Miami. Switched to Florida because of some huge NIL package. They said they couldn't come up with it. Got released from his. Um, National Letter of Intent then signed uh, with Arizona State last week. It's been a saga. It's been ongoing for a long time. This came out today. Jaden Rashada's NIL contract with the Gator Collective. Up front, he was going to get $500,000. Mind you, this is a freshman who's never played a game. Four-star recruit quarterback. Four-star, even. Freshman year, he was going to get two hundred and fifty dollars per month. Sophomore year, he was going to get $291,666.66 per month. Per month. Let me put that into perspective. His first amount, I make half that, a little over half that, in a year of actually working, proven as a 27-year-old veteran. Junior year, 375 k Senior year, $195,833.33 per month. This is asinine. Gross. To play freaking football and probably not even be good at it. It's ridiculous. The NCAA is just, I mean, they're, it's a joke. And by now, unfortunately, it's putting toothpaste back in the tube. Like, they ruined it because of their inactivity on NIL. They don't crack down on teams who break the rules. They're not cracking down on this kind of stuff, which is basically just boosters running amok legally, it's gross. It's disgusting, and you're ruining the the part of sports that I like, which is college sports, because there's still some definite affinity to it from having you know spent my four years at a school, even more so than pro. There's no way you're going to continue to compete with the with pro sports 
when you do this. Although pro sports are going to run themselves into the ground because of the perceived, you know, weird stuff that's going on there too. It's just, it's disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. It disgusting. really, it really is. Um, that's a tee up of the week. Um, let's go to around the world. Uh, we're going to talk basketball as always here on the first spot. Um, start with Minnesota because the, pardon my friends, the shittiest team in the Big Ten, bar none. Um, not even close. Now they got COVID. Uh, they have that that excuse now. Um, they're not playing Illinois tomorrow, uh, which would be February seventh. They moved the game to February twentieth. Um, enough of this. Forfeit. It's a forfeit. Should not count. You no. suck. You're not going to make the tournament anyways. You're not even going to come close. So why does it matter? Freaking forfeit. I don't get it. Somehow Northwestern overcame it, but should have been two forfeits for them too. Exactly. Whatever. Um, Nebraska, big win over Penn State yesterday. Showed some life, even though they're they're pretty dinged up. The Tomanaga played great. Um, My man Derek Walker played really well. Greasel, he's been playing really well. Put together, I mean, they got a decent team. They've been better than they have been um, here in the last, you know, couple years under Fred. Um, they're getting there. Good for them. Um, happy for them. Uh, who else we got? Ohio State is a Ohio State's awful. Wreck. I mean, three and nine in the conference. I mean, they are hot garbage. Played okay against Michigan yesterday, but just they just they don't have any togetherness. You watch them play; they lack togetherness. They. Sensiball is a very good freshman. He's a group, really he's good a, NBA he's prospect. A individual. They they do not have any connectivity at all. They're young. They play a lot of freshmen and and sophomores. But like you can overcome that by this point in time with connectivity. They have no connectivity. And Holtman is a name that gets rumored for the Notre Dame job. I personally don't know that it's a job you would take. Only well, he's because in the hot seat now. Because I mean, Ohio State is a better job, but. Yeah, I guess everybody. Somebody asked that in my group text the other day. Is he on the hot seat? I guess everybody is as soon as you have a losing season. But personally, he's. I think he's done enough there, but whatever. But they're a train wreck. Wisconsin is this train wreck part two. Like Minnesota, we expected to be bad. Nebraska, we didn't expect to be very good. Wisconsin's five and seven. Like since Tyler Wall got hurt, before that, they hadn't lost with him this season. Now, like. He's not. He's a shell of himself, and I don't know if it's because his ankle. Yeah, he's been. He's just not terrible. finishing at the rim. Wisconsin. This looks kind of perplexed. They're playing close games. They're grinders, but I mean, they're thirteen and nine overall, five and seven. I don't know. They're getting to the point where they might not have enough quality wins unless they make a little bit of run here. Now five and seven, they can still easily go five and three the rest of the way and go ten and ten the Big Ten. I think that probably, you know, gets them safely on the other side of the bubble, but. They got work to do. Penn State, Ryan, you mentioned they're five and seven. The Big Ten, yeah, they got work to do. They're they're, they're good enough, team. but they're they're good enough to win games, and they're just bad enough to lose games that they shouldn't either. Right. Um, and then Michigan State's right in, in there at six and six. We'll we'll reserve Michigan State for last because we always do. And then you got a glut at seven and five. Michigan seven and five. Iowa seven and five. Don't Maryland, let that record fool you. With Northwestern Michigan. seven and five. Illinois seven and five. Indiana seven and five. Now, mind you, only three Big Ten teams are ranked: Purdue, Rutgers, and Indiana. Um, out of those other teams that I mentioned that are seven and five, Illinois, Northwestern, Maryland are all sixteen and seven. Iowa's fifteen and eight. Michigan's thirteen and ten. I mean, they have, they have like one quad one win all year. Um, you know, and the Michigan State is fourteen and nine. Out of those seven and fives, 
if you ask me at the end of the year, now Northwestern is looking more and more legit, to be honest. Like, they play connected basketball. Senior guards, a couple of freshmen or younger, you know, bigs that are good, and some decent wings. Like, I think Northwestern's for real. But out of that other glut at 7-5, and five, the only other team there that I think is, like, legitimately could have a shot to make a run, even though they're poorly coached as Illinois, because they've got a lot of talent. Yeah, they're, they're an enigma. Indiana, I don't know if that's their first win over Purdue in a while. I forgot to look it up, but got the big win over number one Purdue. That's always a party. Uh, at Bloomington, Court Rush, they had a huge lead, and Purdue made a really good game, uh, really good comeback. I will say this, too. If you did not see this, um, after that game, you know, Purdue's backcourt of freshmen. Now, by now, they're not necessarily freshmen, but Fletcher Lawyer and Brandon Smith, Brandon mm-hmm. Smith, Braden Smith. Um, Smith made kind of a tough turn, turnover late when Purdue still had a chance. They ended up, I think, losing by five at, on dunk at the end of the game. But, um, you know, he gets a tough question to the presser, which is fine. And he was answering it just fine. My man, big oaf, dum dum, give me gum gum, reach across, grab the mic from him and said, no, you're not going to blame him for that. This game came down to more than one play. We all made three or four plays that contributed to this loss on our end. Don't single that play out. And I thought that was, number one, the most I've ever heard him speak. And number two was a tremendous sign of leadership for a junior and the upperclassman and the, you know, best, arguably one of the best players in college basketball um, to grab the mic and say, you're not going to lay this on my freshman's feet. You're just not. That was a veteran move to see, like, that could weigh on a freshman point guard. Um, in a time when, you know, lots of top five teams lost last week. Did, in fact, did Houston end up losing last night? No, they won. Oh, they did beat Temple. Uh, so Purdue probably dropped. Well, no, I think they stayed number They're one. They're still actually. number one. Um, like, such a savvy veteran move, and I thought a great move and a class move, and puts a little bit more of the class meter back up for Purdue after we complained about the way Painter handled that whole thing with Edie against Michigan State. So wanted to call that out as a good thing. Um Indiana looking great. They've been on a great stretch lately. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis is, I'm. It's he and Edie neck and neck for Player of the Year in the Big Ten. I mean he, he makes a huge difference all the way around. Um, and then, you know, we can get more into Michigan State now, and I'll let you start with that, Ryan. But Rutgers, I mean, look, they're sixteen and seven. They're eight and four. They're in solo second place. They beat Purdue, um, one of two teams to knock off Purdue this year. They beat them last year. They grind you out on defense. Uh, they can get scoring from a couple of different areas. Hope, you know, hopefully for their sake, the one dude that went down against Michigan State is not out for an extended period of time because uh, he's a nice. He's not like a main scorer, but he's a nice player for them. Um, and he was holding Rutgers in that game early. Um, Rutgers is a really nice team too, and, and extremely well coached. In fact, honestly, I would probably give Pike all the coach of the year at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's done a really nice job with that group, gritty. Um, you know, they can grind you out. They can score. Um, it's tough veteran group. Um, play a lot of basketball. Um, yeah, good for them. Uh, I think they could be a good, a good, uh, it could be a second weekend team if they get a, a good matchup in March. Um, probably looking at a five or a six seed for them. So, um, good for them. Good so, for Rutgers. So, I, I, I'll, I lied. I'm going to lead into Michigan State, and then I'm just going to say this, and I'm just going to give the mic to Ryan. Here is my definition of Michigan State's problem. Poor spacing, poor movement, poor shooting, poor decisions, poor free throw shooting, especially at the most inopportune times. 
They are all a recipe for a big fat L, of which Michigan State has five of in the last seven games, and the Spartans are now living the month of February squarely on the bubble. Yeah, that's three years in a row. Um, just subpar teams, really. Um, not very talented, quite frankly. Um, you know, you got some guys, you know, you have some veteran guards, veteran veteran players that aren't playing like vets right now. Um, you know, Hogarth had a really, really nice stretch where you're like, dang, this guy's turned the corner. Um, last four or five games, he's been pretty atrocious. Turned the ball over. He's not making shots. He's not finishing. He's not getting as many assists. Um, it's weird. And Izzo says it's because he's tired, but Hogarth says he's not tired. Um, and Izzo says he wants to play him 25 to 26 minutes a game, and that will never fly. It won't he, work for he Michigan State. He needs to play 30-plus if Michigan State wants even They're plus-minus when Michigan State's in close games and winnable games. They're plus-minus without A.J., which is when he's playing well. Is I mean, it's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, That's there's a, a reason difference. why he plays that many minutes. Right. Um, he's got to get his head up. His I would argue freaking don't play Joey Hauser that many minutes. Yeah. He is an absolute train wreck, the last three games especially. And he's back to the Joey that I always love to hate because he doesn't defend. And so if he's not scoring or rebounding, what does he bring you? And he went from a, an easy double-double, 10-12 points a game, 10-12 rebounds a game for the first half of the Big Ten season. He's been garbage Hot, flaming, threw gasoline on a dumpster fire, garbage. The last three games especially. Like, he's not making shots. He's missing free throws in inopportune times. The last game he showed up was Indiana, which didn't even matter because Michigan State got smashed that game. Yeah, it's just been kind of rough. Mahdi is just, he's not good. Um, he's taking a lot of steps backwards. He has no hands. Um, he's not defending well. He's not rebounding well. Um, he, he doesn't really bring much to the table. Um, he's kind of just a body. Um, I mean, Jackson Kohler, with time, will be good, but you can't. He's a freshman. You can't. And he can't on play him. 25 minutes a game with that, his conditioning level um, and his. He's not a great defender. Uh, I would like to see a little more Carson Cooper in there. Um, he's a better defender, not as great in offense, but he'll set some decent screens. But up. he's athletic. He's got good hands. He can, you know, I, I would he also, can catch the ball. I would also really like to see some more small ball um, with Hauser at the five. Getting your best five on the court, because I think Michigan State's best five is is A.J., uh, Tyson, Jade Nakins, Malik Hall, and Joey Hauser. I mean, those are their best five players. Um, getting them on the court at once and spreading the floor um, is, is, is important. Um, Hall played pretty bad the other day. Aside, I mean, rebounded well, but shooting, I mean, dribbled a lot. It was just kind of a long yeah, game. You know, he did because Michigan State's offense was so stationary. Uh, he just put bad. his head down and attacked because he was trying to do something. And so on one hand, that's like, that's bad, and it contributes even more to the problem. But on the other hand, he had to do it because somebody had to do it. I mean, literally, go back and watch the film. The amount of times I watched that, I swear, Michigan State didn't go from, you know, beyond pounding the air out of the ball at the top of the key, 26 feet away from the basket, and then when they first made a, a pass, was at about the 14-second mark of every shot clock. And very rarely did the ball swing all the way around. Very rarely did it get into the post. If it went to the post, it doesn't come back out of the post. And great Michigan State teams... Yes, they kind of switched a little bit more of the NBA screen and roll game when Nick Ward went down and it was Xavier and Cassius, and that worked for them. I'm telling you, the only 
buckets that Maddie can get are lobs, and it better be right at his hands where he just has to basically tap it down. Um, AJ can't finish around the basket. He doesn't have a floater. Tyson can, but he's getting worn out and beat up because he's not that big. Um, he's being more assertive, though. He really A- is. Akins is probably playing the best right now. Hall's trying to kind of carry the team, but his conditioning's not quite there. Um, Holloman's a train wreck. Holloman, I mean, like at least he shot a couple times the last game because he has to, but he's an absolute white hot pile of dogs. He's, he's, you know he's at Tum Tum's level on offense. That's how bad it is. Well, it's bad. Brooks is actually playing a little bit better, but then he'll sit and he'll be, you know, Michigan State will shrink the bench to like a rotation of six in the second half and he doesn't play. And he's a guy that started to find his shot a little bit more in the last game or so. Somebody's got to give him offense. Like, I don't know. I'm not suggesting you put in the swing offense all of a sudden, but like, let's get a little something going. Some pin downs, some back screens, some backdoor action like this high ball screen stuff when teams are just clogging the paint and you don't have a big that can finish it don't work that way it don't work that way defense can't complain about um it's not the defense is good with little to no rim protection it's really good um so can't complain about that but they got i'll tell you like ken palm uh michigan state is number 42 overall they're 32 in adjusted defensive efficiency so i mean their defense is decent I mean, it's just it's scoring. You can't win. You can't beat anybody when you score in the fifties. You can't. You can't expect to beat anybody. Uh, tomorrow's a huge game. I, it, I hate to say it's a must win because if Michigan State loses this, that's three in a row, six of eight. Um, not good. So they need to win, get to fifteen and nine, somehow string together a few wins in a row here and get all, make sure they're safely in this tournament because they're not right now. They need to win games. Mm-hmm. Probably need four more um, in their last eight here. Um, I, I mean, if they play like they should and make jump shots and defend the way they've been defending, I can see six and two to finish this. But that's a big ask out of them. I mean, how Michigan State is, or at least going to the Rutgers game. They can't be after that. But twenty six in the country in three point shooting. I mean, you wouldn't think that the last handful of games. That's for sure. No. Um, they're they're open misses. Look, defense wins games, but you need to have an offense. Uh, and Michigan State's offense, no, it's not maybe as bad as as it seems, at least on paper. Again, Ken Palm wise, seventieth. Uh, so like, okay, out of three hundred or four hundred and some teams, that's not awful. But like, that's not going to get it done in the Big Ten. No, not at all. Um, I mean, more. even a team like Ohio State, who's we talked about, is in, in kind of the dregs. They're fifteenth in adjusted offense than Ken Palm. Yeah, it's kind of rough. Um, you got anything else basketball wise? I, I don't. I do when it comes to our tournament thing, but it's very specific to that, so we, I can save okay. it for that. <clears throat> All right, that's uh, spot number one. We'll go to spot two. Let's talk Super Bowl. Uh, I saw some earlier. They have scored. Both these teams have the same record. They've scored the exact same amount of points. They have, I think it's each have six Pro Bowl players on each team. One being a Kelsey brother, one being the quarterback, and they're both the one seeds of each division or of their conference. Yeah, when's the last time they both were ones? I mean, it, it doesn't happen all that rare. often. Here's the insight: if you could, if you can guess who's gonna win or lose the coin toss, I think. What did I say the other day, Ryan? The last ten. Winners of the Super Bowl have not won the coin toss. Yeah, that's crazy. So lose the coin toss. 
Yeah. Lose the coin. Whoever loses the coin toss is going to win this game, and it's basically a pick'em. I don't know the last the spread hasn't changed at all, but it was one and a half. I think in favor of the Eagles, maybe before. Yeah. I don't even know who I'm going to pick for the sake of this discussion. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's it uh, should be a really good game. Mahomes now, apparently is close to 100. percent That's what I hear. Here's um, the thing: is like it should be a really good game. Let's hope that it is because a lot of times these games that on paper seem like it's a no brainer, it's going to be the game of the century, ends up being a dud. Um, it, gets to be a train wreck one way or the other, an injury happens or just snowballs. Let's hope it's not because um, I'm not counting on the commercials being anything decent because of the wokeness of this country. So we're reliant on the game. I don't know that the Super Bowl halftime show is going to be anything all that great Juliana. either. So um, uh, let's let's just hope that everything holds up. And I have no idea yet how I'm going to bet, bet this game no. this weekend. No, I'll, go, I'll go away with some props for sure. There's yeah, some, there's some you know, probably some good, good props. Two up there. really good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting offenses. Pretty good defenses too. Really, I mean the Eagles. Good wide receivers. Good. I mean, Eagles probably have an edge with Miles Sanders at running back, but Pacheco has been really good for. Yeah, he's good you for know, a rook. You got the speed and the tight end for KC. You got great receivers um, across the board for the Eagles. Both. Yeah, uh, Eagles probably have a better offensive line. Both defenses are good. Um, I think the Eagles have a better secondary, and I think that's going to be the difference to me in the game. Yeah. But Mahomes has also been there, and he's been in more big game moments. So, mm-hmm. what uh, happened? I don't know. I'm I'm interested. Where it's Glen Phoenix um, should be a good atmosphere. Um, I mean, I I, I think it's going to be a great game. I really do. I'm thinking. I'm going to say Chiefs 31-28, last-second field goal win. That's that's my guess. Um, I think it's going to be really good, though. I wouldn't be surprised seeing the Eagles win. I'm not rooting for either team in particular. I just want to see a good game. I'm not um, not too invested in either of them. Um, so, what do you think? I don't know which sports book this is. It's just I think the Eagles are minus sports one and a half. But yeah, Eagles even in this are minus one and a half. Over-under is 51 um, so your 31-28 score definitely goes the over. I mean, weather's controlled there. I, I definitely would say that I see this game going over. It almost might come down to me who's going to have the ball last. That's what happened last year, almost. Part of me says because of the secondary, which I think is you know maybe the one notable difference, in my opinion anyway, Kansas City secondary is pretty young. Um that that gives the Eagles the edge, but how do you? I mean, Mahomes, and even an unhealthy Mahomes is a phenomenal Mahomes. Man, it's hard to say. I think Hertz can do more to beat you with his feet. Um, Mahomes can do more to beat you with his arm. Who did you say, Chiefs on the last Chiefs. second field goal? I, I mean, it's a pick 'em for me. I, I don't even honestly know who I'm going to pick when it comes to placing my Super Bowl bet. Um, man. I'll go just to be different than you, Ryan. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Eagles on a similar, probably like a walk off. Last team to have it wins. Um, I'll go thirty to twenty seven. Right. So it's not the copy of yours with a walk off, but so opposite walk off, similar score. So I that that would mean to me. I think Philly covers and uh, hits the over in that game too. Yeah, I could see definitely the over happening um, in that one. Anything else Super Bowl wise? No, I mean. 
Who's singing? Uh, singing the national anthem? Yeah, I think there's always usually an over under on the length of the national anthem. Uh, it's kind of fun the prop bets that are out oh, on, yeah. on the Super Bowl, but yeah, I, again, I just hope for a really good game and at least a smattering of some good commercials. Right, I agree. I agree. Um, all right, that's second down. Or sorry, spot two. Um, spot three. You want to do a quick word? Yeah, I can do a, a word from our presenting sponsor before we get into spot three. Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs, and they make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, uh, spot three we're going to get into. I think it was this week last year that we got into it. We're going to do some some TFS bracketology. Um my man here has been doing bracketology going, for the last few weeks, like doing the studies. I, I have not had the time to hardly breathe out in any part of my work day, let alone look at my phone until I get home and Ryan tells me what's going on. So he's going to lead most of this discussion. But Yeah, I was just thinking last year. By the way, Miami is absolutely shredding Duke right now. Duke's not very good. Um, we got, um, we're going to do some one seeds. Who do we think would be one seeds? And then our Big Ten um, seeds where we see them falling as of right now. Um, I guess just go through the one seeds here. I mean, I, it's pretty simple for me. Um, the one seeds right now, I think, are, are Purdue, um, Houston, Alabama, and Arizona. Um, I think they're the clear-cut ones as of now. I think Texas or Kansas could get there. Um, or UCLA, it, perhaps. Um, but I think Purdue, Bama, and Houston it really seem to have those locked up. Um as the as the one seeds right now, and a lot a lot could change here in the next month. But as of now, I think they've all done enough to to be to be there and warrant that. Um, what do you think, Ned? Yeah, I mean, to me, I would agree with that. Except for I, you know, I I kind of tend to lean more towards if I was if we're picking this as of today, yes, probably Arizona. If we're picking this as of what I think at the end of the season. I would think that it's going to be Purdue, Houston, Alabama, and UCLA. I just think UCLA is a little bit more tested with Tiger Campbell and, um, oh boy, uh, Diablo Haquez, Jaime Haquez. Um, I think I think that they would probably, if, if I had to pick, would I'd flip-flop them with Arizona. Um, but, I mean, it, I... It's as wide open as it can be. I think you're starting to see a little bit of separation from the ones, but like Ryan said, you know, flip Arizona, UCLA, Texas, Tennessee, I mean, Kansas even, Virginia, like th- those are teams that all could buy and things could flip. But I, I think right now it's Purdue, Houston, Alabama, unless something really big happens with them, I think they're they're getting closer and closer to being locks for those three number one seeds. Yeah, I agree. Um Saw some Big Ten teams where we think at Ohio State. There's I, only three ranked Big Ten teams. Ohio right State, now. no way. I don't think they have a chance to make it. Do you, what about you? Um, uh, I'd have to look at their the remaining schedule that they have. I, I mean, I think they have to go on a run. They're three and nine. I mean, they're going to have to go on a. Put it this way: if they got to ten and ten and went on a, you know, seven one tear the rest of the way, then I think yeah, they get in. But because they have a couple of nice. Quad one wins, but no. I at this point in time, I would say no way. Ohio State, they're they're like next four, next four, next four, next four out. Yeah, they could play themselves back in, but it's low percentage. Yeah, 
Michigan State, um, as of Friday, I had them as a 7. Um, I've moved them down to the 8. Um, I mean, I just think that's where they're going to end up. Um, would love to see a 6 or a 7, but that's probably not going to happen um, with this stretch here. These next few weeks are huge. I mean, they've their most winnable games remain in front of them on the schedule. I mean, it's... Four and four is easily doable. That's ten and ten. That's eighteen and thirteen, which is a stretch. But they have a really tough schedule. They they beat some good teams, you know, and then win one in Indy. I think that they get in. I think ten and ten in the Big Ten oh, is pretty dang good this year. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see that. They're probably they're probably in that seven to ten seed range. The thing is, it's going to be a muddy mess anywhere from. Like, this is probably not a year where the ones are going to get upset, but I would say that a two could definitely get upset this year because there's so much parity in college basketball. Yeah, we we said Purdue ones, Illinois. I, I I'm trending up on Illinois. They've been playing a little better. I've, I've got them as a five right now. Um, I yeah, think I, that's, could, I, I, I mean, could. They're good. They're a very talented ball club. Mm-hmm. I mean, could they get to a seven? They game? don't have a whole lot of cohesion, but. They're a team that could be dangerous. When they're on, they, they're really good. Yeah, and when they're not, when they're not, they're not. <laughs> That's the other side of it. But yeah, I, I think Illinois definitely, you know, could make a noise. I Rutgers. What do you have Rutgers at? Um, I've got them as a six, teetering on a five. Um, yeah, I could see themselves getting up to a five. And look, they play good enough defense that they can that they can make some noise. You know, obviously to get into. Um, you know they'd have to to get far. They'd have to beat a one seed in there. Um, not very likely, but yeah, you never know. I mean, that's well, college basketball. Wisconsin, today. you think they're going to get in? Five and seven, thirteen and nine. I mean, I think they have some decent wins, but I, I, I think four out. Yeah, I think that they. I really almost think I ten and ten usually five hundred in the conference is a magic number. I think a team like Wisconsin because of their overall record, I almost think that they might have to get to. They may have to flip. They, I mean, they they have eight games left. Boy, I mean, they may have to go six and two the rest of the way to get them to nineteen and eleven. So I could see that. Yeah, I think right now they're on the outside looking in. Yeah, um, Indiana. I've got them as a five right now. Um, yeah, and I think they could continue to play up, especially if you know. For obviously, it helps them to have Race Thompson back if they can get um if they get their point guard back in time to make some noise, I think that would definitely help them. But um, Indiana's playing nice basketball right now, and they're scoring the basketball pretty well, and they can play decent defense. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think they could play themselves as high as a four seed maybe. Iowa, I, see, the metrics love Iowa for God knows what reason. They're, they're a horrible defensive team, a really talented offensive team, but they're horrible in defense. A lot of these, I've seen them as high as a six or a five. I think they're end up being like an eight, a dangerous eight. Um, just they, their defense—they could lose to anybody because of that stupid defense. And yeah, Fran's not a great coach. And they have not been—they haven't made it out of the first weekend of the tournament in forever. I mean, I could see them making it in, but I mean, they're going to get in. I mean, they're fifteen and eight right now. Um, yeah, yeah, they'll probably get in. I could see that. Minnesota, not a chance. No, Nebraska, uh, not a chance. Penn State, they're... I have Penn State as last four in right now. Um, They've got some work to do for me. Yeah, I think that they need to win. If they keep losing, no way. Um, Northwestern, Maryland, both have them both as a 10 right now. 
Um, I think I'm rooting for Northwestern. I, am too. I, I hope they I, get I, in I, for only the second time. I agree. I think be earned the second time in recent memory. I agree. Um, Michigan, I have out right now. They could get in. Um, they have a pretty. Their schedule has been pretty favorable all year. Um, in big, they have play. no big wins at all. No, they have to. They have some a lot of work. Ohio State but, might be their biggest win, honestly. Northwestern, I think, probably is, and that's Northwestern playing. Four and they beat them twice, actually, right? In eight days or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's the big But that's pretty sad. If your best wins are two wins against Northwestern, yeah, that's not saying a whole lot. That's kind of No tough. offense to Northwestern, but. It's kind of tough. Um, that's it? Yeah, so I had a couple things. I talked about this last year. There's kind of some proven theories out there um, that have held true since the early 2000s. This one's a little different spin from last year. Well, the first part is pretty true. Usually, well, always in the last couple decades, I think, the champion has ended up being a top 40 offensive, top 22 defensive Ken Palm team. And then if and right now, those teams, they vary week to week. So I'll give you those on a week-to-week basis. Teams that are both top 40 offense, top 22 defense. This is not – there's some teams that are close to that, but these are teams in there. Houston, UCLA, Purdue, Alabama, UConn, Kansas, and Creighton. Um, Out of those teams, here's another layer to add to it, that if you take the top 40 and top 22 and then take the top 12 out of week six of the AP poll, that's another factor. That narrows down to Purdue, UConn, Alabama, Houston, Kansas. So that list of eight goes down to – or. Seven, sorry, goes down to five. And then as if you take the, also we're in the top 11 in the AP preseason poll, that's Houston and Kansas. So if you go by this particular methodology, your only two potential champions are Houston and Kansas. Now, I don't believe that to be true. This appears to have played out for the last several years. I do think there's a lot about the top 40 offense, top 22 defense. That's held pretty standard and true um, over the years. So I think really out of that. Houston, UCLA, Purdue, Alabama, UConn, Kansas, Creighton. UConn's kind of hit the skids lately. I might put them on the outside looking in. Creighton is a team, though, I'm telling you right now, like if I, if Bracketology came out today, final lock, sock, and barrel, Creighton would probably be like in the that's gonna be a five, six, seven team. seed. That's a team that has size, that has good guard play, that has beaten good teams. Shooters. They kind of hit the skids in December with injuries and stuff. Right now, I would say Creighton is my sleeper team. That's a team. tough basketball team. Yeah, that's my sleeper team right now. So we'll keep. I'll keep an eye on. Ryan continues to do his bracketology. If you want to see it week over week, hit him up. He's got it on a Google sheet. But I'll continue to kind of give you a rundown of who's top forty offense, top twenty two defense, and then if you want to keep those outside factors in mind of top twelve uh, teams within week six or top eleven preseason, um, I'll I'll keep those on the list too, just so you can kind of know. But yeah, it'll be interesting, and we're starting to heat up, and games are getting real. Games are getting big. You're starting to see separation. You're fighting for, you know, I think the tournaments are probably going to matter more than they usually do because you've got a lot of teams that are going to be fighting for that extra win or two to get in the tournament. Yeah, completely agree. All right, spot four. Um, we're doing this one a little bit on the fly. We're doing the – so shout out to Chris on a cruise somewhere in the Caribbean. Probably not going to listen until next week, but this was a concept that he sent me. It was a meme, uh, what and it was entitled "What the other What Canada Sees uh, of Mount Rushmore," aka the other side of Mount Rushmore, and is a bunch of asses, like presidential asses. So, in honor of that, 
you know, we like to do our Mount Rushmores. Let's do our Mount Rushmore of biggest asses, so Canadian side Mount Rushmore in sports. And I'll give us the one that we can have because we can agree on. I guarantee you, one of the four biggest asses in all of sports is LeBron. Yep. So he's an automatic. Tom so Brady. give me give me four others. Tom Brady. Yep. Is this okay. current or that doesn't matter. All our current all time. Those two. Mm. I mean, any sport. Claude Lemieux. <laughs> yeah, for what he did with with the Red Wings. That's before your time. That's a good one. Um, I think bastard N- from the Avalanche. NBA wise, Patrick Reed. Oh yeah, him. Patrick Reed. Yeah, we can agree on him on on a given too. He's v- slash VJ Singh. He's a claw. Yeah, VJ awful, gross. Phil might be up there now too. Honestly. Honestly, yeah, I. I'll give you that. I'd I'd put Phil on that list right now. He I, went from my all time favorite so to like. Let's go. With, let's have LeBron, Tom Brady, and Phil for three. What's what's another, yeah. one more? Um, Barry Bonds, cheating, cheating bastard. Yeah, Barry Bonds could be one. I mean, he was a kind of more egregious cheater, but he still was a good baseball player. So, um, oh boy, who's who's anybody that you just love to hate like baseball is hard because i just don't watch baseball much and actually i sent you ryan a thing we could talk about on another time the baseball rule changes which i think all might might help the game of baseball we'll get into that in another podcast maybe closer to spring training or something but i no baseball player even from like when i was a kid necessarily stands out i mean i was hated the Yankees, coaches but, um like urban meyer oh yeah urban meyer at applebee's is probably a bad one um belichick Skip Bayless. <laughs> yeah, you want to get into the broadcaster, Stephen A. Austin. Huh? Well, what's his name? Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. Sorry, I don't know why I said Austin. Uh, Stephen A. Smith. So what happens when you get old? You're like you have to have your Lance Armstrong. You. Is he up there? Eh, I don't know. I mean, look, you won the Tour de France. So what? Like all those guys, dope. That's why I don't have that big of a problem with Barry Bonds. I mean, is there an asterisk, you know, because he was roided up? Yeah, but, like, come on. Like, these guys are doing it in some way, shape, or form. I'm just talking about, like, just guys with jackass character in general. Jay Cutler? Yeah, Jay Cutler. He's Terrell Owens? I mean, there's a lot of guys that are clowns. LeBron James is the biggest clown ever, period. End of sentence. Patrick Reed is definitely on that for me, more so than Phil. Like, I would put Reed on the ass side of Mount Rushmore before I'd probably put Phil on there just because Phil at least before he turned to the dark side wasn't half bad Reed's been nothing but a jackass um yeah I mean just like any of the guys that beat their wives that are football players uh Ray Rice Ray Rice yeah we'll sit we'll 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 make a four of uh Joe Mixon he can be added up there yeah Joe Mixon I mean Brady, we'll say Brady. I would put Brady on there. Obviously, he's the goat of winning because, but he's just, I don't. He just rubs me the wrong way, and it's not, it has not even has anything to do with the fact that he went to Michigan. Like he never rubs that in. It's just like, he just has this smug, cocky. Like I just want to punch him in the face. Like maybe it's because he's on a winner all the time. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about him that pisses me off. LeBron just pisses me off because he's LeBron. And he's a dumbass, and he speaks out of turn all the time. And he's a whiner, and he's a baby, and he's going to break all these records, and people want to call him the goat, and he's not the goat. 
because basketball is not what it used to be. Um, so I could go read Brady. I mean, yeah, you could throw any number of guys that cheated their sport up there. I mean, that happens. Like, I nobody really else stands out, I guess, is, like, egregiously bad. Anybody that played at the University of Michigan. Christian Leitner. Yeah, okay, there you go. Christian Leitner. You could definitely Duke Christian Leitner. Uh, Bobby Hurley Christian Leitner. But even that was just kind of like a one-time. Like, over the course of time, there aren't that many guys that are just asses. But those three are asses, so... I didn't give us much time to do homework on that, so maybe we'll have to think about it a little bit more for next week. Sounds good. That's your homework for next week. All right, golf time. Um, Pebble Beach Pro-Am finished today. Um, Crazy weather there. Due to the weather, um, pretty wild. Justin Rose prevailed with new clubs. This is the first time using. He isn't even a manufacturer. Nope. Yeah. Free agent. Went to a guy this week and said, hey, can you make me some clubs to use? Used them when he won. Good for Justin. Here's the thing I saw, and I saw this written about like that's a great tournament because Pebble and Spyglass and Cypress they're all awesome courses, and they just they struggle to get the best players there anymore. I don't know if it's because of where it is. Maybe they need to flip. Their weather is usually kind of crap, so I don't know if they need to flip flop it with maybe LA play, you know, play LA now and play this, um, you know the week after the waste management. I don't know if that would make a difference. I don't know if there's a way to entice the fields. I don't know if it's because it's on three courses. I mean, the Amex is on three courses too. I, you know, I don't know what it is because Pebble is such a, an amazing course. Um, you know, even as they change it and enhance it and tweak it and whatever, it's just, it's an icon and it's great to watch and it's fun to watch. Cause you can, you can play there. You can just bring a lot of money forward. You can play there. so you can kind of envision it. Um, we definitely didn't see very much of the amateurs this weekend because of the crappy weather, and they cut the amateurs out after three rounds um, for the Pro-Am. I don't know if that's what gets guys, you know, I don't know. Like, do you do something where you can pick your amateur out of a hat? I don't even know how they pick the amateurs. No, no play, I think but, it's just random. Um, like, because there's, there's some good dudes in there. Like, I mean, we know we got to meet Aaron Rodgers before he kind of flew off the deep end, and I think he won it. Yeah, he, he and did. his partner won it. You know, you had um, Bill's quarterback, you had Darius Rucker, you had Jake Owen. I mean, you had, like, some good, like, celebrities in there. Yeah. Bill Murray or whatever. It feels like maybe they could do a – I think there's a mix of businessmen, rich businessmen and whatever, and maybe it was a little bit more celebrity. Maybe there's a way to kind of tweak it and enhance it and get some of the good guys there. I don't know. This is such a good tournament to watch because of the course, so. Yeah. Definitely. How did our guys do this weekend? Um, my guys finished 68 combined. Yours finished 80th because Fitzpatrick missed the cut. Power played well, though. Um, Hicko played pretty well. Hoagie did okay. Um, but we go to the Waste Management Elevated event. Uh, should be huge. Uh, waste six, Management is awesome to watch. The 16th um, at Waste Management is the best hole in golf. Um on a consistent basis. So let's pick this. Will there be a hole in one on sixteen? There's only yes. been there haven't been that many yes. really. There were two I last year, but one. and there's gonna be lots of beers thrown. Yeah. I'll agree. I think there will be one and it'll be it'll be all over social media again like it Can was last Scott year. Can Scott repeat? I don't know. I think there's that's a really good feel. Obviously as it's elevated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fun course, some shorter par fours. 
Seventeen's uh, that like two ninety, I think, or something like that. Very attackable with water down the whole left yeah, side. Yeah, there's you know, you still have to hit it well, and there's risk, risk reward. reward. I, I I always loved playing that one on Sega, the old days, Jeff. If you're listening, remember we used to play that at Cedar Village. Playing, uh, we'd play the TPC Scottsdale all the time. It was a great course to play on. Yeah, on Sega. It's a uh, it's a fun one. Um, all right, this week my picks: uh, Sung J M. He's I saw something the other. He's like one of the most consistent players on tour the last four years. Dog boy. Um, and then Ricky, uh, he's played well there in the past. Well, you took one of my guys, but I'm going to stick with him because I just already looked at. It. I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler and Sung J M. Nice. Because I know that I can pick Scheffler for a major yet, so or for all of them if I so yep. decided. Yep. All right, that's that's golf. Do you have any other? No, I didn't have golf? time to look up any funky stuff. So there's just always fodder going on with live and people mouthing off. And last week there was a big thing on social about who would win in a match play and they should do a giant match play like Ryder yeah, Cup right. style between live and the PGA. I'd actually kind of like to see that. Um, you know, some people are definitely fans of the live because of the disruption and it makes the PGA better. I just think it still is noise that needs to go away. I mean, good luck on the CW. Who watches the CW unless you're watching a rerun of Golden Girls? So mm-hmm. that's my take on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, sprint time. What do we got on this on Sunday? Heads or tails for the? Uh, <laughs> what are you betting? Heads or tails? Well, I know this: whoever wins the toss is going to lose. Um, I got to go tails. Tails never fails. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I say. Um, that's what I always picked when we used to do coin tosses in football. Um, who do you wish would be the halftime show this year, not Rihanna? I mean, I'll be honest. I think last year's was really, really good with like Snoop and Dr. Dre. Yeah, that was and cool. Like, that was really good um, in L.A. And then Eminem was on there. I, it, look, it all kind of kind comes down to the taste in music and whatever. I honestly would love to see like some sort of Luke Combs, Morgan Wallen, Hardy, you know, if you want to throw like a, you know, a female singer or two in there and like make it more country, I think country resonates probably more with with true football fans than it does with like the masses that watch the Super Bowl, which is why they go to like the bigger pop singers or whatever. But I don't know. I I just think that would be a more entertaining. Um, it would definitely be more patriotic and American, to be honest with you. Um, at least we got a country guy doing the national anthem, but that's kind of who I'd like to see. Yeah, I said I said Luke Combs. I think it'd be cool. I think he's performing before or something. Yeah, he's doing something in a couple of days before. Yeah. All right. Uh, best uh, Lay's chip flavor. Sour cream and onion. I said barbecue. No, hands down. I remember they were that was few and far between when I was a kid. But when I would go over to Buddy's house and we would play indoor Nerf baseball, in indoor Nerf basketball, any game known to man, and his mom would always make us really good sandwiches, not the bologna and cheese bullshit I got at my house with. Sour cream and onion chips, not the plain Lay's or Ruffles chips like I got at my house. So those are always the bomb, and I remember that. Mrs. Z, that was the best. Not that you've ever listened to the podcast or even know that it exists, but, yeah, those are the best. Yeah. Who was the worst Big Ten arena? For basketball? Yeah. 
Well, you know, I mean, like Northwestern has done a good job yeah, getting they're their spruced nice. up. They're doing that with football too. I think they do a good job knowing where they fit, right? Like they're they're a small school, and so they don't try to oversell it and then just have a bunch of empty seats. Chrysler really is pretty That's dank. Right. It's okay, right. but it's pretty dank. Uh, I mean, the barn's got character, so it's kind of hard to throw that I mean, in there. That mine's the barn. Uh, you know what? <sighs> Iowa. Something about Iowa okay. just pisses me off. I don't like it. It's got like the, I think it sits in the ground. The lights are up at the top. It's got weird lighting. It's it like weird. I don't know something about Iowa. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I like said it. I'll, I'll go with Iowa. I'll say the barn because it's old and stinks and the and Bryce Jordan at Penn State's a waste too. Like they were when they played in their piddly little like smaller than hope arena, and the students Bryce. were literally could touch you when you played. That was a home court advantage. That was great. Like. Think, take the palestra and shrink it in half. That's what they played on. Bryce Jordan is a cavernous waste. So I that would be a runner-up for me with Iowa. Yeah. That's 110. Appreciate you guys listening. Um, let us know your Super Bowl bets if you have any, who you think is going to win, um, stuff like that. Uh, if you have any questions for the pod, fire away, ask us. Um, we can do a mailbag section in here um, if you guys come up with anything. Um, but... Appreciate you guys' support. Um, couldn't do this without you guys. Um, God bless. And uh, we're only, frick, I think we're only 34 days away from Selection Sunday. So it's getting close. We're getting close. We're getting close. All right. Another shout-out to Team Anders Realty is our presenting sponsor. If you're interested in sponsorship, do hit up the big fella. We're always game for a trade or for something. Meantime. When you're good at something, you tell everyone. When you're great at something, they'll tell you. Thank you, Mr. Walter Payton, one of the old-time OGs in the NFL history.